are listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bateman. Check out anxietycanada.com for more totally free anxiety resources, including our app MindShift CBT. Hi, Rita, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Rita, how are you doing? I'm good, John. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm hanging in there. Thank you very much. You've had a long day. Yeah, I mean, no, it's interesting. It's been no longer than any other eight-hour day I've worked. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it'll be interesting to monitor my emotions after this um, to see where they go because, you know, it's been, of course, it's, a, it's a, like anxiety. It's a roller coaster of emotions. Sure is. Yeah. Sure is. Well, we appreciate you doing this for us. Thank you. Well, that's great, and I really appreciate you being on and being a part of it. And uh, as you may or may not know by now, my first question to you is, uh, Rita, tell us your anxiety story. Yeah. So uh, I'm actually a clinical counselor and workplace consultant with uh, Dr. Jody Samer and Associates. I've been uh, very fortunate to to use my platform as a therapist over the last uh, seven, eight years to help people who are uh, also affected with anxiety and, and uh, panic disorder and, and all of the above. And um, part, of, um, part of my reason for wanting to share my story is because I think it's so important that other Canadians um, are aware that they're not alone and uh, that they can get help. And so uh, my story started actually when I was in my mid-20s. Mm-hmm. And I had a panic disorder, very, very severe one that lasted for about 15 years. And uh, my symptoms ranged from everything from sweating and trembling, shaking. Um, I, would, I would have hyperventilation attacks, um, nausea, IBS symptoms, dizzy. Uh, really, you, you felt like you were dying. And it would, uh, it always come on right before an anticipated family event where I felt where I was going to be out of control or situations where I really felt powerless. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I noticed, you know, that the trend was that it was always before a family or, or a work-related event or, um, or something where, or an event where I just felt really scared to attend. And and it became very problematic. Uh, I experienced it most days for months at a time. It would come on at any time. I would be in the middle of a Christmas party, and all of a sudden I could feel like beads of sweat coming down my face, and I could feel my, you know, my breathing start to increase, and I would be running off to the bathroom before we know it. My husband and I would have to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, more parties than I can tell you. And, mm-hmm. uh and it would last literally half the night where I would be shaking uncontrollably, so, so sick. And it really impaired uh, my, uh, my ability to work. Um, I experienced infertility for about 10 years, and I wow. truly believe that my anxiety disorder affected my ability to conceive and, and to be able to, to be healthy. Yeah, it was pretty tough and really, really difficult. And, you know, I went to the doctor uh, and I, I remember talking to them about my symptoms. And I remember my doctor telling me to go home and drink a glass of orange juice and to just relax. So obviously that didn't work. I'm not laughing at you. I'm just laughing at the concept of being told to relax um, yeah. and, how, and how effective that is. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it, it did not work. And, uh, and, you know, and at that time, nobody 
ever explained to me, you know, Rita, anxiety can be caused by, there's a whole pile of different contributing factors. There's genetic factors, biological, um, personality. There could be environmental factors and actually some that I could control. And I, most of the time when I had my attacks, I felt out of control and no one taught me how, how to manage it. And uh, so it, it really became a problem. It was, uh, I just felt like I was um, always in danger. And, you know, anxiety, as I try to explain to my clients now, is that, you know, it's at one point back in the, you know, the Stone Ages, it was actually a good thing because, you know, we ran for our lives when we were in trouble. Mm-hmm. But when you feel like you're in trouble all the time, and, um, and you're, you're constantly on the fight, flight, freeze mode, it can become very problematic because you, you become isolated, um, and then the cycle continues. You're, you know, the more you worry, the more the cycles are enforced, and then it just gets worse and worse. And, Definitely. uh, yeah, it was, it was very, very difficult. For sure. Yeah, I, you know, one of the things that I've noticed about what you've told me about your story so far is that you've described a lot of physical symptoms, and I think it's important for people to understand that how often uh, anxiety can, you know, of course it, it manifests in different behavioral ways. Um, you know, whether you are irritable or whether you're tired or whether you're, uh, you know, you're throwing temper tantrums, whatever, or argumentative, whatever that is. There's a lot of ways it manifests that way. But we haven't really talked about too much about how it manifests itself physically in so many different ways. And that's, I think that's an important point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And, uh, and, you know, the, uh, the one area that was never taught to me, you know, by the doctor or, or I didn't even really know that therapists could treat this at the time, um, I didn't know about cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Mm-hmm. I had no idea it existed. And, um, and when I really started to wrap my head around ways to manage my anxiety, and that was, you know, really paying attention to my thoughts and mm-hmm. how my thoughts then created the feelings and then my feelings would then create um, the behaviors that had me freeze or go into flight mode. Um, and then, of course, your behaviors then reinforce those thoughts. And the cycle just kept going. And, uh, and then I decided to do some research, and I found uh, an anxiety uh, course that lasted two, uh, two months. Right. And that was my, that was my lifesaver. So, um, so was that a course that, that helped you, or was that a course that educated you? It both. Okay. Both. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what what it taught me, and and I now incorporate everything that I was taught into my own practice. The the, the two really important pieces that I learned was the prevention part and the intervention part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The um, the prevention part is is really about getting your body more relaxed, getting you know, um, and, and doing it every day to, yeah. to ensure that your anxiety stays at a lower level. Right. Because as you know, when you're in an anxious, anxious mode, you feel like you're going 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And, and I had to retrain my body to slow down. Um, I did that through uh, practicing a lot of diaphragmatic breathing, like right. four square breathing, um, progressive muscle relaxation, um, meditation, Spending time in prayer, that was really, really helpful. It's, 
you know, really asking God to help me manage yeah. um, all of the feelings and all of the thoughts that were haunting me and were making me worry. Mm-hmm. So that the prevention part was really important, and we spent a lot of time honing in on those skills to make sure that we um, we learned how to breathe properly and to hold the the breath and to and to teach the body how to breathe, especially when we were going into uh, panic mode. Mm-hmm. And then um, the intervention piece was really was really good too because when I when I could feel my anxiety rising when I'd be um, like like I described earlier before a party or um, you know when I anticipated um, a highly threatening situation, um, you I, I learned how to perform a, a relaxation technique to try and calm down, right? And then uh, and try and manage the current situation by by really um, restructuring and balancing my worrying thoughts. And, um, and also by exposing myself through the fear, because a lot of times when we have anxiety, we're scared, we're scared to face the fear, and we have to expose ourselves to, to it. And uh, so that was the other piece of the puzzle, was really um, allowing myself to sit with it and know that the anxiety wasn't going to take over and, and, and that I could manage it, and it wasn't managing me. Right. Yeah, so CBT is really quite powerful, and mindfulness is another uh, very important um, um, part of, uh, of what I try and help my clients with now, and that's really, you know, a lot of people confuse mindfulness with meditation, and it's actually yeah. more about really keeping focused on the present moment, Yeah. you know, and just accepting the worrying thoughts and not judging them and just kind of sitting with them. and. And, uh, and not being so hard on ourselves and, you know, yeah. just going, okay, oh, I'm ruminating right now. Okay, well, all right, let's just let this worry go and I see you and yeah. it's okay. Yeah. So, so, so what, nothing, oh, I guess I'm just curious what, um, what, uh, what allowed you or what inspired you to go from being essentially a patient to being a therapist? Yeah, how how really did that happen? Yeah, how did that happen? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of a long story, but um, I, when I was going through my infertility uh, days, I ended up doing a lot of um, uh, volunteer work helping other patients who were going through a lot of the stressors and a lot of the uh, treatments that I was going through at the time. And um, I found myself um, uh, using a lot of CBT to help uh, the people that I was helping in that volunteer role, right? And I realized it was it was something I really enjoyed doing, and um, I wanted to pass on uh, all of my knowledge and all of the skills that helped me and literally saved me, um, so that other people would be able to live fuller lives and not suffer like I did. Um, you know, it's uh, I mean, you know, anxiety never goes away. I think everyone and you know that has and has experienced uh, an anxiety disorder, and I'm sure most of our listeners today um, are have it or have experienced some 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 form of it. For sure, uh, it, yeah. you know it doesn't go away completely. You have to manage it. You know, yeah. it, you're going to have moments where, like, oh my God, here we go, uh, and and you you just have to see it and try and treat it um, quicker and on the spot as opposed to letting it you know ride like a wave over you before you know it. You're having another panic attack. So. Yeah. You just manage it better. Yeah, that was one of my hardest realizations was um, there, and you know, I, I, do, I don't like this language saying there's no cure, um, but it's just that that's not what we should be endeavoring to do. Um, I feel like, you know, we need anxiety for many reasons. 
Um, but uh, the, for me, it was a hard step to make, realizing it was something I, that I got to have to maintain for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, for some people, yeah. I think that's a psychological leap. How do you, how do you help people kind of get over that hurdle? Uh, or do you find that to be a problem at all when, w- within your practice? Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to you have to look at anxiety. I always tell my clients, let's not treat anxiety like it's the enemy. You know, let's have a tea party with it and let's kind of manage it. Yeah. You can manage it. It's, it's, it's about learning how to problem solve. And, and, you know, if there's unexpressed anger working through it, what, you know, what boundaries do you need to set for yourself? Um, a lot of people who have anxiety, what I notice is they forfeit self-care. They forget to work out. They forget to eat healthy. They get, they get so caught up in their worry that their self-care goes out the window. So we, you have to bring that into, into um, their lifestyle and, and you know, and, and just finding more balance and, uh, and also getting in touch with their values, like what matters to them and, and really honing in on the things that matter and, and, uh, uh, and, and reminding them that it, it is something that's not going to take over their life, that they can absolutely manage it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they always feel better knowing that they have tools that they can apply uh, in between sessions. That yeah. is not something that um, they just talk about, but they can actually do something about it. And that was that's the best part, I think, of cognitive behavioral therapy is that you can actually look at someone's thoughts and tweak them and look at, at things in a more balanced way and not jump into... Um, a lot of the thinking traps that we get caught in, like, you know, catastrophizing, right. that's the thing that I do all the time. Oh, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Fortune telling. Black and white thinking, it's either this or that. You know, yeah. Mind reading. <laughs> Mind reading, perfectionism. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. You, know, you know them all. Fortune, fortune telling. Yeah. You know, oh, my God, this is going to happen. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's really, you really believe it, though. Like, you know. Oh, yeah, I've done, I did a lot of fortune telling leading up to uh, this, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet, and then, and then when we finally get to the event, it's usually not so bad. Or when we, you know, but you know, I don't want to diminish the real problems that exist in people's lives. You know, I mean, there are real anxieties, and you know, my sister reminds me of actual like, but this is a real problem, and I and I I do agree that there are real, absolute real problems, but we can manage it at least with some skills to make it a little easier yeah and uh and you know and talking about it is so helpful going for therapy um the mind shift cbt app that anxiety canada has for people who have more mild to moderate levels of anxiety is fantastic if you don't have it download it it's fantastic um Mm -hmm. you know i've been very fortunate to have a a great um supervisor and dr jody samra who's one of the best psychologist in Canada and she's taught me a lot and it's been so helpful mm-hmm. to know that she's not perfect and that you know she has anxiety too and can help me with uh when I experience it and you know and and she always reminds me it's good that we can relate to our clients yeah we can be empathetic and go yeah it sucks having anxiety I get it yeah and being able to help them so you know I um my goal is to just pass on my, my knowledge and to help as many people as I can through the tools that I've, I've uh, been blessed to have learned and, um, and, you know, and just, just yeah. keep uh, passing on the, you know, and we got to reduce the stigma. Yeah. A lot of people are afraid to ask for help. Yeah. And uh, so things like this, like having this, tele, you know, this, this uh, 
way of sharing and, yeah. and promoting our stories is yeah. so helpful. I think. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a it's it's a useful thing to do. Um, I you know I have a, I have a couple more. Do you have a few more minutes? Are you okay yeah, for Tanya? Yeah, good. Yeah. Um, the the one one of the questions that I that I always bump up against and I find curious or or, or you know. I just don't know how how this how it's going to work. But you mentioned the caveman brain, um, mm-hmm. you know, which if people aren't are, don't aren't quite familiar with that, that's basically the fundamental set of uh, you know set of of tools we have that were established millennia ago um, to deal with what were the threats then. Um, and you said fight, flight, freeze. Um, I guess what I'm wondering is, you know, we've seen society evolve in such a way. You know, let's say over the past 100 years, um, and, I, and I, there's this graph that I see in my head of society becoming, you know, more dense. Uh, all the, all kinds of different stressors that we've entered into our into our existence, aside from shelter, you know, um, food, warmth, and making babies. Um, how how do you think? humans are doing like do you think that's part of of that like how far off are we from from reconciling those two things or will we ever reconcile those two things yeah it's a good question you know i mean obviously in this day and age we we have new stressors different stressors than than you know back in the caveman days when you know they would their they, anxiety was meant to save their butts, and so they wouldn't so they wouldn't die <laughs> from yeah. attacked by yeah. some animal in the forest or wherever. Um, but now, you know, I, I think our stressors are obviously a lot different. Um, financial stressors, especially if you live in Vancouver, uh, yeah. you know, being able to afford, you know, living here. Um, young younger folks, I'm seeing more and more uh, people in their 20s and early 30s reaching out for counseling because they. They're really having a difficult time um, managing anxiety and managing life, and I think that uh, the way to try and, and bridge this and help people is to give them these skills earlier on, perhaps in high school or in in the workplace where you're teaching people how to manage their anxiety, how to manage their stress, and uh, and so that it can translate into their personal lives and they feel better and they're able to cope. Yeah, because I, I just think that there's just there's just more, and of course, social media doesn't help. There's people, you know, there's more accessibility to comparing yeah. ourselves to other people, yeah. and then there's more bullying that happens because of that, and and more competition with, uh, you know, in the workplace. So it's just it 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 can definitely be tougher for the for the younger people. Yeah. Do you, do you uh, do you find um, over the trajectory of your career, do you find that young people are more open to coming in and speaking to you? Yeah, yeah, I have noticed that, and they're very comfortable in doing so. And uh, I really, I, I take my hat off to to the millennial generation because they're not afraid to go. You know what? I'm not feeling good. Something's wrong, and they they really reach out for help. And uh, I, I think that they set an excellent example to all the other uh, generations that uh, that it's okay. It's okay to just notice that you're not feeling a hundred percent. Yeah, and uh, and to um, go and get some help and. And uh, and see a therapist that you know that really knows how to treat anxiety disorders and panic disorders because you don't have to suffer. It. I, I mean, I'm speaking from over a decade of horrible uh, experience of suffering, and I yeah. had I known, I think uh, my life would have changed dramatically if I if I had the skills that I know now. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, my yeah. my first experiences were very young, but then, 
you know, it really hit me in that transitional age, uh, 17, 18, 19 in there, uh, which yeah. seems pretty common um, for whatever reason, whether that's uh, societal or whether that's chemical, something that kicks in and does that to us. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. But even then, it, you know, and that was, we're talking late, uh, late 80s, early 90s, and it took a long time just to even get a, uh, you know, to get a diagnosis or get a name to be put on it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, luckily, um, I, you know, that, that informed me. I have kids now. I've got two kids that are teenage. They're 17 and 14. Um, and and uh, I've always been, you know, I, I kind of used, I, I've always been very open about mental health issues. And do you, do you find that parents are, are pretty open about it with their kids now too? Or do you, or do you interact with parents much? I don't, I'm not quite sure how that, if that's like that with you, if you worked with young people or, or not. Yeah, I, I treat usually uh, like older, older teens and um, um, adults, young adults, mm -hmm. um, and of course older adults. But with the parents, um, they're a lot more hands-on than yeah. they used to be. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, my husband and I always laugh back in the day when we were, you know, when we couldn't handle anxiety. You know, our, our parents would probably smack us against the side of the head and go ahead and deal with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Find yeah. Find a way through it, right? Definitely, definitely. <laughs> you know, um, but now they're like, you know, what are you feeling? What's, you know, and they definitely are more involved with their kids. And I get a lot of uh, calls from the mother or father calling about their, uh, their adult or their teen. Yeah. And wanting to get help for them, and they pay for it, and they support them through it, and so there's definitely more support and more, um, um, you know, more handholding. Maybe that's good and bad. You know, I would try to discourage too much helicopter parenting. You know, I think that can be a problem sometimes for some uh, teens where they're trying to discover the, discover themselves without having their parents. Uh, watch over everything. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Right. But yeah. at the same time, it's good that they support them. Yeah, there's definitely a balance. And you know, that with me, my my mom didn't know what was going on. She definitely supported me um, once we once we figured all that out. But she was from that older generation. And when you mentioned that, my I had a I had a, a, an uncle who missed an entire uh, year of school because he had nerves. Mm. Um, he didn't go to school because he had nerves, and we all know what that was. That's you know, he had anxiety. Um, it's just different how the language has changed. You know, I, my, my daughter, um, she, when she was in school, she had one, one friend who she particularly had problems with, um, and they went to counseling in the school. They just went and checked themselves in with the counselor. And, okay. and I thought that's a big victory. I thought that's yeah. something, something's happening right. Do, yeah. do you think that will have a trickle down effect as, as you know, we, as we progress as, I guess, as a species, but societally and economically, you know, as these kids come into their own and, and become older, do you think that they're going to, that, that they're going to help kind of turn the system in that, in the direction that it needs to go in terms of, you know, more funding? We had a caller earlier talking about, uh, uh, Bruno was talking about how, you know, the, we need free mental health care. Yeah. Uh, do you do you envision a world with that at this uh, at now, or, or what's your vision I for sure that? I sure hope so. I yeah. sure hope so. You yeah. know, I mean, I I uh, I think a, a mental disability is is you know um, it it impacts obviously the economy because if you can't work and you're and you you can't go in because you're not feeling well, uh, it it can affect the bottom line of a company and how how well they they run. Mm -hmm. um, so no, it, I, I agree. There, there. I think there needs to be uh, funding. I think therapists need to be covered. I mean, I have um, as a clinical 
therapist. I I have clients that come in and they're like, oh, I only have five sessions this year, and I'm looking at them. Yeah. Like, You're kidding me? Five? Yeah. <laughs> That's not enough. Like, yeah. You need at least, you know. Twelve. Twelve. You know, twelve. Twenty-four would be great. You know. Yeah, it's not enough. It's ridiculous. You know. So these insurance uh, plans and um, are are. Just the, the whole healthcare system has to change. It, it really does need to support uh, the growing population of where disorders are a lot more prevalent. And, um, you know, it, it's very common. I mean, in any given year, we have, you know, one in five people in Canada who are experiencing some sort of a mental health problem. That's, mm-hmm. that's a lot. Yeah, 20%. It sure is. It's a lot. So, yeah. you know, why are we not helping them? Why are we not providing programs that are that uh, are free of charge to you know so it's that's why i think it's so great what uh, even what anxiety canada is doing by offering free apps and programs yeah. to offer that to the to people who can't afford uh traditional therapy yeah do you think that um do you think that you know w- w- within the healthcare system what they're not providing health for health care for now let's say mental health mm-hmm. that that does they do end up paying for it later um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you think there's a real correlation there between people who have mental health issues and then those spawning into what they consider to be issues that that it's okay to cover? Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Yeah, because you know, I mean, because anxiety um, and other disorders, mental illness, can you know affect suicide rates. It, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, it's it's costing us as taxpayers to to. Um, to try and, and help all these people and and uh, and this void in workplace and, in, and the, mm-hmm. the impact on society, it's it's uh, it's definitely gonna it's gonna circle around and cause um, affect affect how we um, how things are are gonna it's it's just gonna impact it for sure. Yeah, I, I I'd be really interested in knowing the stats of people who have panic attacks who think they're having heart attacks going to emergency. I'd be interested oh, in knowing know. that statistic alone. You know. Mm-hmm. Because I've had three guests on today who said they thought they were having a heart attack and they went to emergency. Yeah. And uh, and that's you know that's quite a that's that's quite a stat within the fact that I've you know interviewed maybe twenty five people at this point. Um, yeah. It, there's there's another thing you touched on that I really want to touch on quickly before we before we say goodbye. Um, and I mentioned you know j- just tr- just ways to cope with it outside of ways to cope with anxiety outside of you know, the treatments that we're talking about, cognitive behavioral therapy and such. And I was talking to one uh, gentleman earlier about stubbornness. And one thing I noticed you mentioned, which I think was important, uh, seemed to be related to faith. Yeah. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about your experience with that? Because I think it's an important piece to this. Yeah, I agree. No, I absolutely agree. I think faith is, um, you know, know, mind, body, spirit. If we don't have faith, and uh, a belief in in uh, in God, it 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 uh, it, it can absolutely um, affect us, and and you know it's there, it's 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 free, yeah, <laughs> uh, and it's uh, it can be incorporated into um, you know when we're spending that time in in prevention and mm. in, in the intervention stages, it's 
you know, you can pray and just really focus mm-hmm. and accept what is, is there, which is, and also letting go of a lot of stuff that we can't control. Yeah. Um, and that's a really comforting feeling is to know that you can just release and give it to God. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I absolutely support that and yeah. encourage people, um, if they have faith, to, to, to incorporate it into their own um uh, treatment plan if they can because it, it absolutely makes a difference and I see that with clients my clients who have faith and those that don't really I do see a difference yeah okay yeah that's interesting um, do you think you know when you mentioned prayer do you think there's anything let's say somebody that they you know they they don't have a faith or traditional faith like we know um, you talked. You talk about prayer. Um, are there aspects of prayer that are sim that you would say are similar to perhaps mindfulness or meditation? Like, do they have a similar outcome in some some instances? Yeah. Well, you know, like mindfulness is, is more of an act. It's more of just kind of staying really present. And and you know, I think what prayer does is that it allows us to just kind of just sit with with the thought and 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 release it rather than ruminate. Right. You know what I mean? It, it, it gets us more still in the moment and just really um, just stay, stay in the moment. And, and sitting with yes. what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, those are, yeah, those are all important points. Um, I appreciate you taking the time. You and you actually took extra time with us. One of our one of our guests didn't didn't uh, manage to make it on, so you really filled in there admirably, admirably, and I really appreciate oh, thank it. You. Yeah. So um, thanks for being a part of this, and uh, Rita, and we really appreciate all the help you do you do with us, and I really appreciate you your candor and your sharing your experience here uh, on our anxiety stories. Oh, thanks, Don, and thank you for doing this for us as well. Appreciate it. Okay, take care. Good luck, everybody. Thank okay, you. God Bye-bye. bless. Bye. Thanks for listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bateman. Check out anxietycanada.com for more anxiety resources, including our app MindShift CBT. And if you like what you hear, please consider making a donation. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Until next time.